Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When Caleb was 40, who was going to give him the victory? The Lord. Who was going to be his strength when he went out to battle? The Lord was going to give it to him. That's why he said at 85, I'm as strong as I was then. I wasn't going to do it then. God was going to do it then. God's going to do it now. I'm, I'm, I'm as ready now to go as I was then. I got the same guy. And he wasn't hindered at all. He didn't look at his age. He didn't say, well, now I'm older. I don't know if I can quite get up that hill the way I used to could, you know. He didn't say any of that. He said, look, I got the same God and I can and I can go. We often look down on older people, even when it's ourselves. As we age, our body gets weaker and more fragile. We can't do all things we once could. So it feels like there's a less of a purpose for our lives. What Pastor Bill reminds us of today, however, is that no matter your age, God remains the same. God has a plan for your life, and because it requires His strength, yours is unnecessary. It doesn't matter how old or strong you are. Have the confidence that God can still use you for His plan. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 3, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We went through Titus not too long ago. And as we went, made our way through Titus, we talked about the importance of the older ministering to the younger, the older men to the younger men and the older women to the younger women. And how um, as you get into the older phase of life, you haven't run out of purpose yet that there's a whole group of young people that don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. You've been married 40 years. They've been married four days. They need help. They need your counsel. So one of the things the enemy does is, again, he brings that divide. You know, where you look out in the world and young people look at old folks a certain way and old people look at young people a certain way. What they, their music, you know, we just, it just divides us and we don't come together. But in Christ, God has said, if you guys can come together, I need you guys to come together. That old man, I need his wisdom poured into that young man. They'll both be better for it. That, that older woman, she'll be so fulfilled and ministering to this young woman and her marriage now flourishing. And, and it's just important that we, that we come together in that way. So I encourage us as a body that when we even when we gather and we hook up, that I wouldn't be only looking to hook up with, you know, I'm looking for some other people in my age bracket, some other people in my age I can hang out with. Um, I got to look beyond that. Right. I'm, I'm not just here to socialize. I got purpose when we gather together. I might need to be with some young people and I ain't that old yet, but I, I know a few things. I can pour some things out and I, I might need to hang out with the older fellas and just let me listen for a while. Let me let me soak in and let me hear some some older wisdom. We need to be open to that. Just a couple other things um, and then we'll, we'll move on. Joshua 14, 6 through 10. You guys remember when Joshua and Caleb went out and they spied. They came back with a good report. Everybody else came back and said, oh, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And they were scared and they didn't want to go. And Joshua and Caleb said, man, we can too. there be our bread. Let's go. And they couldn't do it because majority ruled and they didn't get to go. But God remembered that they believed and they had faith and they were willing to go. And God gave Caleb the opportunity in his 80s to go back and go get that land. And he said, man, I'm as strong at 80 as I was at 40, I'm, I'm going to go get me some. And I really believe this about that statement. Was he as physically strong? Was, was Caleb this freak of nature that at 80, he was as strong as when he was 40? I don't believe that's the case. I believe this, right? When Caleb was 40, who was going to give him the victory? The Lord. Who was going to be his strength when he went out to battle? The Lord was going to give it to him. That's why he said at 85, 
I'm as strong as I was then. I wasn't going to do it then. God was going to do it then. God's going to do it now. I'm, I'm, I'm as ready now to go as I was then. I got the same God. And he wasn't hindered at all. He didn't look at his age. He didn't say, well, now I'm older. I don't know if I can quite get up that hill the way I used to could, you know. He didn't say any of that. He said, look, I got the same God and I can and I can go. So I just would say that for anybody looking at their age and saying, well, you know, I'm just time for me to slow down. I guarantee you, God will never tell you to slow down. He may change up what you do, but he's not done with it. If you're breathing, thinking, if you're still here, right, he's not done. And so don't ever convince yourself that, well, you know, I, you know, I, was, I really went hard when I was younger, but now at this age, you need to be looking for the Lord to show you what to do at this age because he's not done with anybody yet. Amen. All right. So we'll come off of that. But so they were counting them from one month old. Why? Because even at one month, they had purpose because God had put his hand upon them and he intended to use them for his glory. Now, let's move on. Look at verse um, 21. So this is what's going to happen now. It's going to break down now where they're going to break into three in the groups. Gershon is going to have a group. The Kohathites are going to be a group. Eliezer is going to have a group and Merari is going to have a group. So there'll be four groups of people that are going to have different responsibilities. They're going to each be broken down into their responsibilities. So I'm going to read them in a chunk and I'll just say what their responsibilities are and who made up the group and and then we'll make some application um, on our way out. So 21 to 26, uh, this is the family of Gershom. It says, from Gershom came the family of the Libnites and the family of the Shemites. These were the families of the Gershonites, those who were numbered according to the number of all the male from one month and above of those who were numbered. There were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward. And the leader of the father's house was of the Gershonites was Eliasaph, the son of Lael. The duties of the children of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting included the tabernacle, the tent with its coverings, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the court, the hangings of the court, which are around the tabernacle and the altar and the cords, according to all the work relating to them. So the Gershonites, they were going to be on the west side. That's where Judah was. Um, their job was going to be taking care of the structure of the tabernacle. The, they had the screen doors and the, the tent and the curtains and the, the chairs, all those different things. That Their job was going to be to care for that. And God said, this is your lot. This is what I called you to do. I want to point out that with each group, God has set them apart. And God has said, I want you guys to take care of that part. Now, the people that got put on the west side couldn't be like, well, we wanted to be on the east side. You know, everybody got put where God put them and they had to be content to worship the Lord from there. That was God's idea, God's plan, right? Here, they're going to be put in their places and given their tasks, given their roles. One of the most frustrating things that a Christian can do is fight God in regards to his call upon their life. You know, they say, you know, you, you can't really fight God and win. So God has said, I want you to do this. And you're just, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And you just, you just, you just, you be fighting and losing, fighting and losing, losing and fighting and fighting and losing until you finally say, okay, I'm going to go. Look, whatever you want. So I just want to give us a shortcut and say, if you know something you've been called to do and you've been fighting, stop fighting. I know you've been getting beat up anyway. You're losing. So you might as well just submit and surrender. And then keep this in mind too, right? How good is God? How good is he? He's too good. So if, if there's something God wants you to do, just 
because he's so good, just because of what we know and believe about him, I should want, God, I want what you have, right? You're only good. You died for me. So I, I want to be what you want me to be. I read my Bible and I don't see anybody disappointed. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Peter was a fisherman. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's what I'm going to do with you. It took a lot of work and a lot of years, but he got him there. And Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 people got saved. And I'm sure on that day, I'm sure Peter just said, wow. I'm sure he was blown away. Now, if you compare the two, right? Now, if you're a fisherman, catching fish is great. But you get saved and watch 3,000 people get saved at a sermon you preach. Could there be a fishing trip that would measure up to that? Nothing like that, right? What God did through him was so much greater than what he was doing without God. And that's how it'll be for you and me. Why we just say, God, I'm going to just let you do what you want to do. I, I have to believe that what God will do in my life is better than what I would do with it. And so let him have his way. And so, again, the Gershonites, that's what their job was going to be. Look at verses 27 to 32. From Kohath came the family of the Amorites, the family of the Israelites, the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzzalites. And I, I think the way it works is you just take your family's last name and put ites. So my family would be the Buffingtonites. Uh, and I think that's just how they, they would break them up like that. So that's where we get all these ites from. And the last part of verse 27, these were the families of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from one month old and above, there were 8,600 keeping charge of the sanctuary. The families of the children of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacles. So they were on the south side over by Reuben. Verse 30, and the leader of the father's house of the families of the Kohathites was Elizaphan, the son of Uziel. Their duty included the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered the screen and all the work related to them. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest was to be chief over the leaders of the Levites with oversight of those who kept charge of the sanctuary. So the second group here, the Kohathites, uh, they number 8,600 men. They'll be on the south side with Reuben. Their duties included um, taking care of some of, the, some of the higher end stuff. They had the ark. Um, they had some other important things, but the ark was kind of a big deal. They were their job to take care of that. They took care of the lampstand, the table, the altars, all the utensils for the sanctuary. And just keep in mind, we forget, we can forget sometimes how much killing went on. The animals were slaughtered, you know, shaved, cut up, put out there, cooked. And so there were utensils for doing these things. There was things that probably blades had to be kept sharp. Stuff had to be constantly cleaned up. And so the Levites were going to be their work and this was going to be their work. They were going to be there. They were also taking care of just some of the practical things that were there. And God gave in, in verse 32, Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, he was going to be chief. Um, that means he was going to be a leader over these groups, an overseer. Um, so once again, it wasn't really up for debate. They didn't get to say, how come he gets to be over us? You know, how come he gets to be the leader? You know, uh, sometimes adults are like that. I hear, I, I understand when little kids do it. How come I can't be in the front of the line? I, I, when little kids do it, it's cute. But I've seen grown folk with gray hair behaving like that in church settings. I don't know how come they always get to go. Man, just, just, just cut it. So as believers, right, we got to, one, I got to embrace what God has given me. And not be looking at what God's given someone else 
in an envious way, right? If God has raised up other people to do other things, I got to rejoice in what God is doing in other people's lives. Recognize uh, his gifting upon others, his call upon others. Eliezer, that was going to be God's call upon his life. Um, and it wasn't going to be fun, right? Some people look at it like, what are you going to be over me for? It's like it's going to be fun being over you, you know? Look at you. You know, I look at Moses. Moses got to be the leader, but... I mean, I wonder if he could have chose. I, I I read the story backwards and I'm like, I understand. It's almost like he knew what he was in for when he was like, Lord, I can't do it. No, I don't want to do it. I stutter. You know, it's offering up excuses because that was not a fun group of folk to be over. Um, but he was a guy God called. And you know what? People stumbled over that. He's all up the mountain with God, left us down here. They, they, they God with Aaron. Aaron, you lead us. Make us a God we can see. And there go a golden calf. Mess up everything. And, 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 and people were punished for it. So we want to be, uh, want to embrace God's call on our life and not be envious of others, not, not look at what God calls someone else to do and wonder about it. Um, I got to look at what God calls other people to do and see how I can come alongside. How can I encourage them? How can I help them and what they've been called to do? All right. Verses 33 to 37 from Merari came the family of the Mahathites and the family of the Mushites. These, these were the families of uh, Merari and those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from one month old and above were 6,200. The leader of the father's house of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihel. These were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle and the appointed duty of the children of Merari included the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, its utensils, all the work relating to them and the pillars of the court all around with their sockets and pegs and their cords. So uh, Marari, their family was 6,200 males. They were going to be on the north side over by Dan and their job was taking care of all the outside stuff, the pegs and the, the little clasp and the things that hold everything together on the outside of the tent. Uh, they didn't get all the special stuff like the Kohathites. They didn't get the ark and the table and the nice, the lamp and all that. They got the outside of the tent pieces to get all the stuff outside put together. And that was God's plan and God's call on their life. And we'll close with it, but much like the body of Christ, God has given every member a different gift. And we need all the pieces. We need all the pieces to come together. They needed someone taking care of the stuff inside. They needed someone taking care of the tent and the screens and the outside doors and all that. And they needed someone taking care of the little sockets and pegs and the little detail pieces to keep it all together. And so everybody having their job and doing their job will cause God's glory to go forth. And so much like the body of Christ, God's have given different gifts, different abilities, different callings, different gifts, but one body. And he likens the, the gifts in the body, he likens it to a human body. He says, hey, everybody's not going to be an ear or the hands or the feet or the mouth or the eyes. But if everybody does their part, then the body is able to function at maximum capacity, right? But if there are some parts of the body that stop working, if you woke up tomorrow and your feet decided, it ain't working today, uh, you would be hindered in what you were planning to do tomorrow. You wouldn't be able to do all that you had hoped. If you wake up and your hand says, you know what, not today. I'm not, just, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not going to do it, you know. Then you will be very hindered tomorrow in that which you wanted to do. And so like the body of Christ, God's given different gifts and different parts and different pieces. And if people that are part of the body decide, you know, I'm just, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to just not do nothing. 
then the body is as, not as effective as it would be if every member did its part. And so here we see each group being given their assignment. It was not a debate. God didn't say, do you guys like that job? Is that the one that you wanted? He says, look, I made you and I called you to that. He said the same thing to you and me. God doesn't ask me, what do you want to be, Bill? When you, get, when you grow up, what do you want to be? You want to be a pastor? I'll make you a pastor. Not how it works. He just tells you, right? You get saved and he says, first, I want you saved. You get saved and you start seeking him and God's giving you to putting desires in your heart and showing you things. And before you know it, he's like, that's what I call you to do right there. Boom, do that. But he gives you a heart for it, right? He, he puts it in your heart. So it's not like the thing that God calls you to do is not something that, that you enjoy doing. There are things that some of you enjoy doing that other people run from. I don't want to do that. You can't pay me to do that. But you feel called to it. You would quite enjoy it because God called you to it, built you for it, made for it. We want to embrace those things that we've been called to do. The body needs every member doing its part. Amen. Last group here, uh, verse 38. Moreover, those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east side, before the tabernacle of meeting were Moses and Aaron and his sons keeping charge of the sanctuary to meet the needs of the children of Israel, but the outsider who came near was to be put to death. And so Moses and Aaron and their families were going to be on the east side. Told you guys last week that was the prominent side because why? The sun rises in the east. And so that was, that was prime location. Aaron and his sons would get to be on, uh, on the east side. And so last section here, 40 to 43. Then the Lord said to Moses, number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel, from a month old and above and take the number of their names and you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of the firstborn among the children of Israel, the livestock of the Levites instead of the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord had commanded and all the firstborn males, according to the number of names from a month old and above of those who were numbered of them were twenty two thousand two hundred and 73. We're going to stop right there. This is what I want to close with. Um, we, we've hit the four different groups of people and their tribe the, or the Levites by group and everything God wanted to do. And each group we saw they had purpose. There was a certain number of them. Get counted up the males one month old. We saw that there was purpose in them even from a month old. God saw that he had something he wanted to do. And I just want to give us a few things to take home. I would just say first to everybody here that has children or influence over children, I beg you, beg you to pray for them. As those that are given spiritual oversight of them, pray that God would give you insight unto what they're to be, what they're to do, where you're to encourage them, where, where you're to guide them. Um, our kids, there'll be two things you're going to do with your kids or not, right? Two things you need to do. You're going to see in your kids because they're little, they're cute, but what are they? They're cute little sinners. They're so cute, they're little sinners themselves. Um, so the Bible says a child left to himself will come to destruction. So you don't just let them do whatever, right? You, you watch them, you guide them. When you see things in them that would, would hinder them from following God's call in their life, and two things I see, rebellion and deception. Um, your kid's a little liar. Oh, is it cute? Did you do that? No. And you know he did do it and you laugh with him. <laughs> you know, you whoop that kid. You don't laugh with him, right? If your kid becomes a liar, right, he becomes a, a deceptive individual, you haven't helped him be or her be 
what God wants. That, that's going to hinder their ability to walk with God because God calls us to walk in the light, not in the dark. Right. You should deal with that. If your kid's rebellious, bring that here. No. And they run away, you know. And again, some parents, because they're cute. You just look at them and say, oh, you, 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 you. let that grow up, though. See that at about 13. You'll be kicking yourself. And kids that grow up and they've, they've been able to be rebellious a long time, they have a real hard time. They didn't submit to you and your little rules. They have a hard time submitting to God and his. So you didn't train them up in the way they should go. So that's part of it, right? Just, just guiding them, right, with some structure. Lovingly, though, right? That's one piece of it. The rest of it is just loving them, nurturing them, looking for the positive, looking for the things that you see in them that, man, this is something that they kind of have that's naturally. Parents do great at seeing the best in their kids, so see it and pray how God might have you encourage them in that. But see purpose in them now. Don't look at them and say, oh, I bet when he grows up, like it's just going to manifest itself somehow later on. You help nurture it. That's why God gave them to you. And so, again, as they were counted from month up, I just would encourage parents, grandparents, anybody that has access to young people where they're looking to you. Be praying for the young people that you are in their life, how you might encourage them towards that which God has called them to do. Second thing, like each of these groups, God had been very specific with them. You guys are going to take care of this. You guys are going to take care of that. You guys are going to function over here like this. Know for certain that every believer here, God is something that's set apart just for you. The Levites, right? We call this set apart for service. They were set apart away from the world, away from the rest of the tribes, away from all of that to do a specific work. So God has also called you and I out of this world in the sense that we're not going the way of the world. But while we're still here, God says, I want to do something with you in this fallen place. So you've called me out to serve as well. You, you set me apart for service as well. And I, I encourage everybody here to be praying about what God set you apart to do. And if you're saved and saved for a period of time and you're not doing anything, be discontented to not do anything because God's called everybody to do something. And so be praying for him about what you're supposed to do. If you're not clear, get with someone spiritually mature and go through discipleship. Ask someone to help walk with you through that so that everybody here should know something. At least I know that much right here. I know that right there I'm supposed to be doing that. And I'll do that until God shows me more. But be discontent to do nothing when we know for a fact that God called every believer to do something. And the last thing here, as the tribe were set apart, they were set apart in this way. They were... You know, obviously they're the tribe, but they were set apart by their families and each family had, you know, they, they, we, that we made the joke of the ites and, and each family's name would become that group. Um, and this is just important that God expected the families to pass this stuff down. Right. He expected the Gershonites expect you guys to pass it down to those guys and those guys. So we talked about the importance of the older pouring into the younger, the younger having an ear to hear from the older but also in your family setting. Be mindful that if some of us here are the, the only Christians in our families. And when I say only Christians, some of y'all know what I mean. Some of us are the only Christians that are really walking with God in our families. Some of y'all got family where everybody go to church, but nobody walk with God. So if you're blessed to be that one, you don't want to become the Pharisee of your family. Where it's like, well, oh, you know, I, I'm the one that does it right. You guys don't do it right, but you want to be the light for your family. And sometimes the most difficult people to shine light on are those that think they got it already. But in your family, everybody here is part of a family, some way, somehow. 
Um, let your light shine in your family. Pray about how God will use you among your family to be a light, to be a witness, to be an example, and to speak his truth. Amen. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.